Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called Follow Me. And in this series, we're trying to come back to the, the point of what, is, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? How do we align ourselves in the vein of Jesus' teaching? How did he walk? How did he teach? How did he uh, work? How did he live out his life? What does that look like to truly follow after Jesus? What does that mean for me as someone living 2,000 years later? How do I align myself, my attitudes, uh, even my hobbies with Jesus, how does that work? And so we've looked at all kinds of different values that our church needs to have as we kind of work our way that way. We're going to value families because Jesus valued families and and children. We're going to value prayer because Jesus values prayer. We're going to value generosity because Jesus values generosity. And today we're going to value worship because of the way in which God, through Jesus, has in, interpreted what worship actually looks like. Because Jesus worships differently and he, ex- he receives worship differently than how maybe we give it. And we really need to understand this. And last week, um, I had a little bit of a moment uh, dealing with my mom being sick. And thank you for walking with me through that. Uh, my mom is doing a, a little better. Not great. She's home from the hospital. Um, she is uh, going to be on bed rest for the next three or four months. Um, so please be praying for, uh, for Tina, mama Hauser, silly grandma, however you refer to her. Um, God knows all of her, um, <laughs> aliases. <laughs> so, um, be, be praying for her. And so, um, the brokenness that I'm working through in dealing with my mom being sick is a, is a real brokenness. Now, what I get to try to help you with today, because you, we all have brokennesses in our lives. We've all have sick people in our family. We all have uh, kids that have disappointed us. We all have marriages that may be not be perfect all the time, except mine, because Kelly listens to these messages. Uh, we may all, we have parents that do weird things. Like we have all these issues going on. We, have th- we all lose jobs. We all get jobs. We all have, you know. Some people have to cancel baseball games because it snows in April. Uh, <laughs> true story. Uh, so anyway, you guys think I should cancel today? Okay. Uh, um, anyway, uh, that's not even a matter of prayer. That's just a Jared thing. Um, but how do we deal when the adversity of life hits us, and how does that interact with worship? And this is especially in Palm Sunday, the Sunday that we're in today, this, when adversity hits, how do we worship at the same time is the lesson that's being learned here. It's being taught in this moment, and we've got to grab a hold of that. And so I love that we sang So Will I right before this message because that is the whole point is even when the, the world and the waves are crashing and crazy things are happening, I will choose to continue to worship through that. That my worship is not dependent on my circumstances. My worship is who I am to God. Not if it rains today or if it snows today or if it's sunny. Right? If that was actually true, there'd be more Christians in San Diego than Chicago. I don't know what the ratio is, but maybe maybe it's just out of this world. I don't know. Like, I could find it a lot easier to love the God of creation if I lived in Kauai. Woohoo! Right? Not in a place where it snows in April, Jill. Um, And so you've got that. Our worship 
cannot be dependent on the circumstances of our life. No matter how stinky the circumstances of our life may be. But, but, but yeah, I hear, I see your hesitation. However, our worship cannot be dependent on the circumstances of our life. And so we're going to delve into that because you're like, yeah, but I lost so-and-so or my, my husband struggles because of this, or I struggle because of that, or you don't know what happened to me when I hear you. I see that hand. I see that hesitation. I honor it. But our worship, the God of all creation, the savior of all souls, past, present, and future of those who claim him as Lord and savior cannot be dependent on if I'm having a bad day or not. You see how that's like my dog saying, well, you're not my master anymore because you didn't feed me right at five o'clock. Now she would probably try to do that, but like, no, you, we're not on the same that's not the way this works. Okay. Um, so what is worship? Worship is the adoration of God, pure and simple. Worship is the adoration of God. We have been tricked in, especially the Western Christianity, uh, especially American Christianity. We have made a whole industry of worship music and we called it worship music. And so now I'm only worshiping through the three songs before the message. And I don't worship at any other time. False. We sing songs at that time. But our lifestyle is worship. Okay. If worship is only predicated on the 20 minutes of a worship service or a Sunday morning that we have, we've got our whole fundamentals out of whack. Because what if I have a hangnail? What if they sing off key? Well, I didn't worship. So God must be broken. Is God so puny and so little and so finite that it's dependent on if the loop works or not, or if the drummer's all perfect, or if the singer's flat a little bit? Like, what? What kind of God do we serve? A puny little guy? Like, what? No, I don't want to serve a God that's dependent on whether how well I perform on Sunday morning. Because if we're dependent on that, on how well Jared does, we all got problems. Right? So, if that can't be true for a God who created it all, who made every single one of those stupid snowflakes outside different, I feel like maybe our worship should be default a little different then depending on three songs on Sunday morning. Amen? Are we tracking? Are we cool? All right. Because it's only going to get more on our toes as we go on. All right. So um, now I don't know if God gave me this message for you this week. This is one of those weeks where I don't know if what I'm preaching was just for Jared. And I'm like, oh, sorry, you weren't supposed to read my journal. Or if this is a week that, no, God's prompting my heart to, to help you. So completely honest, don't know. But I assume probably some of you deal with suffering deal with pain and deal with disappointment in God. Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. You probably can raise your hand. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you've dealt with that, then maybe this message is aimed at you. Okay. Cause it was aimed at my heart. Who's dealing with disappointment in God and suffering and frustration with God. Okay. All right. Worship is the adoration of God. So if we're going to change our mindset between, uh, Worship is dependent on those three songs on Sunday morning Two, worship is who I am. We find the biblical backing for this in Romans chapter 12 verses one through two Romans chapter one verses one and two. Therefore, 
And if you're going to memorize anything other than John 3.16 in your, in, your, in your Bible, Romans 12, 1 through 2, pretty good place to start. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is the true and proper worship. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't even say anything about singing right there. Right? Offer it all. Your life is proper worship of God. How you conduct yourself is worship of God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So what this is saying is if you, so many people, I don't know what God's will in this is. I don't know what God wants from me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, you get to figure that out when you're living in worship and complete adoration of God. Because it starts to make sense. Because when we're, when we're struggling so much, nine times out of ten, of, I don't know what God wants me to do with this, we're choosing between two selfish desires. And we're like, God, which one are you going to bless? Right? Which job should I take? Which girl should I date? Which boy? How do I do this? How do I do that? Which college should I go to? That's, God's like, that's not, let's back it up one step or two or four. Do not conform to a pattern of this world, but be transformed by it all. Renewing of your mind by worshiping God with who you are. And that will of God will be made known to you because if you're worshiping God, it's, it's like, doesn't really matter. Which would make it, if you're living in complete adoration of God, what makes you become the best you you can be? How do you, how do you get to adore me the more? This one or that one? No. People ask me all the time, Jared, I don't know if I should take this new job. So which one allows you to love your family better? Well, this one will make more money. That's not what I asked you. Which one lets you love your family more? Well, this one's a lot less money. Are you home five nights a week? Yep. Are you home ever with the other one? Nope. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but... Right? Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is adoration of God. Our work should be about worship. Our play should be about worship. Our home life is worship. As the passage says, we offer our bodies and our mind and our will to God. This is incredibly different than offering a moment when the music is perfect. This is incredibly different than offering a moment when everything in life is good. It's different. It's offering all of us to God. When we are contingent on our circumstances, it's like, ah, I got a splinter. Can't worship. Ah, I can't do this. Ugh, that's not, that's not. I'm really glad there's, <laughs> the, the, the seats aren't empty this morning because this would be really awkward. You know, if the weather's not right, I can't go to church. Yeah. So, so all of you are off on the guilt trip on that one, right? Uh, so anybody listening this week, you know, um, that's not right. Um, I apologize. 
<laughs> when it's segmented, it becomes to a place where it feels forced. I've got to build up this fervency. I've got to build up. I've got to put on a show, even a show for my family or a show for God or a show for even myself. I've got to convince myself to worship this morning. That's not how that works. And, and so I want to kind of show you maybe even a little bit better. Worship is the glasses in which we view the world. Okay, it is having prescription glasses that you view the world. I don't have bad eyesight. I have terrible astigmatism. So my eyeballs decided to look like footballs. And so if I, I can see you fine and we, you know, I can read something on the back wall, that's cool. However, if I continue to do this, I'm going to start to get a bad headache because all the ligaments in my eyes... Are, well, if they do that, I'll get a bad headache too. Um, if, if I, all the little ligaments in my eyes are straining to make my eyeball work right. Okay, that's, that's what happens. Now, if I put my glasses back on, we have clarity and I can feel the tension start to go away in my head. Now, several of you are legally blind, right? And the view in which you need to have your glasses or your contacts in is that this is how you need to see the world, you're, you wake up, Kelly wakes up in the morning, and I'll look over, and she'll have her cell phone this close to her face. <laughs> I'm like, You're gl- it was easy. Why didn't you just pick up the glasses and put them on? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, I just don't understand that. But the view, the way that she's going to see the world has to be with her glasses on or, or contacts in, or she cannot operate well. Okay? Now, I have sunglasses here. This is how we usually use worship. I borrow these from John. Thank you, John. I was going to run out to my truck, and it just hit me in the middle of the service or to, to use this. But this is how we usually use worship. We only put on our worship glasses when it's bright and perfect and sunny outside. Do these work for me? I don't know. Um, so we, I'm going to rock the aviators here. Um, we only worship when everything's perfect. So, oh, it's all good. Nice. See the problem with that? Instead, our default is, ah, now everything's in focus, everything's clear, I can work with this. This is the default position, so my world works better, is starting at worship, not when circumstances make it okay. Have I hit that hard enough for you? All right. Page one down. We got eight more to go. Here we go, folks. No, I'm kidding, kind of. Um... All right, so Romans is all about orienting our life at the beginning to be about worship, not dependent on circumstances. We're offering all that we are uh, to God in adoration, in worship. Palm Sunday is this week. This is Palm Sunday. If you're not a Christian or haven't grown up in church, you're like, why does he keep on referring to Palm Sunday? Okay, here's the quick part of Palm Sunday. It's the week before uh, Easter, Resurrection Day. See, on Friday of next week, Jesus will celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, that may sound really weird. I understand, but it's a big deal for us. Uh, so we celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus. And on Easter is the Super Bowl is when Jesus rises from the dead and defeats death. On, on Friday, he takes on the sin of the world. And on Sunday, he says, boom, shakalaka, I beat that. Um, it's, that's a very youth ministry way of condensing down uh, Easter. But there you go. Um, 
So Palm Sunday is the triumphant entry of Christ. What happens is Jesus has to get to Jerusalem for Friday and Sunday to happen. He walks in, he's coming into town and everybody loses their mind. Jesus has been doing three years of ministry of raising people. He just raised somebody from the dead like a week earlier. So he's pretty popular. Okay. He's feeding 5,000 people. He's healing sick people. He's doing all these amazing things. And the fervor around him is just, wow. Jesus is a rock star walking into Jerusalem. And so where we're at in the scripture, what's getting ready to happen is people are expecting Jesus to walk into Jerusalem and say, I am the Messiah. Romans, get out. That's what they're expecting. That's what the triumphant entry is all about. He walks in. People are losing their mind. They're taking off their coats and they're putting it on the ground so his donkey will ride smoother because they don't come with good shocks. Okay, so they take off their coat. This is literally what happens. They take off their coat. They're taking uh, palm branches off the trees and throwing it on the ground so his donkey will ride a little smoother. And this is a traditional way of welcoming in a conquering king in the Middle East at this time. And so they are the fervor that's built up. The excitement that's built up. They're so thrilled with what, that Jesus is going to come in. He is the Messiah. We saw what he's doing. He's healing people. He's bringing back people from the dead. He's feeding 5,000 people. He's doing all this amazing stuff. This has got to be it. All it takes is just you to say, Romans, get out. And we can have our country back. We can have our world back. We can have our religion back the way we'd like it. It'll all be set up. The Jewish people will be the nation that we long to be again, just like we were under King David. And everything's going to be awesome. Those are all good things, aren't they? Have you ever looked at God and be like, yeah, God, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and it's going to be awesome. Right? So we look at Palm Sunday, and we go, whoa, that's a cool day. The same people that are screaming Jesus' name and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, God in the highest, basically, wow, you rock in a religious form are the same people on Friday. They're going to say, crucify him, kill this jerk face. He's worse than Jay Cutler, right? That's the, the turning on him. Same people. Why? Because they were worshiping Jesus in circumstance. They were worshiping God in circumstance when they were going to give him what they wanted all sounded like awesome things, national independence, release from slavery, a new world government. It sounds pretty cool to a Jewish slave, to people who are oppressed, all good things, not the best thing. And so when we put ourselves in the place of, Hey God, I think you, here's your to-do list. And if you do these things, life will be awesome for me. And God says, you're right but I'm not doing that. There's a moment for all of us because that comes very personal for all of us where we have to choose. Am I God or is he God? I'll get back to you on that one, <laughs> right? Cause that's what we're actually choosing. They're all good things. God, why won't you heal my mom the way I want you to heal her now? Please. If I pray with my one foot up, if I hold my teeth, right. If I do these things, 
If I do those things, if I give more, if I do this, if I whatever, if I go to Africa and do on a mission trip, well, now you heal her. Here's the problem. A God that I can cajole into doing what I want to do is not God. If that doesn't gut you, I don't know, you're not breathing or you're asleep today. But a God you can cajole into doing what you want isn't God. Because God has a bigger plan, a better plan, one that we can't see, one that we don't understand. But he promises a couple things that I will walk with you through all that and I will be there for you. Oh, that's painful. I don't like it. The people 2,000 years ago, it's the same thing. But you could set us free. We don't have to do this anymore. We don't have to be controlled by these jerk Romans. They sacrifice pigs in our temple to you. They've destroyed our ways of life. Will you just be the Messiah we need you to be? No. I'll be better. So instead of a temporary Messiah changing the world in that moment, changing the world in that week, the temporary world in that week, he saves humanity in the past, the present, and in the future. It's a little different. Still stink for the people going through that week? Still hard? Absolutely. But he had a much greater narrative planned, a much greater moment planned. One bigger and better than they ever could imagine. So in Luke chapter 19, 37 to 40, uh, the triumphant entry is in all four Gospels. You should read it this week. It'd be a good choice told a little differently in each one because um, it's from four different points of view, uh, but they're, they're wonderful. And this one, I want to hinder on one small spot in it. Uh, Luke chapter 19, 37 to 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, uh, said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I love this line. Jesus says, I'll tell you, if, I, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So that all of creation understood what was getting ready to happen. They, they knew God was here. In John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 says, the beginning of the word was the word and the word was God. And um, sorry, I have this memorized, so reading it's very difficult. Uh, <laughs> In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. And he was God in the beginning through him. All things were made and without him, nothing was made and has been made. He's made through him, the logos, the word of God. Even the very rocks were created when he spoke it into beginning, when he became, became the big banger. I don't know what word he used, but it's cool. When he spoke creation into beginning, the very rocks knew who Jesus was going to be. And so in the, the drumbeat of history, he's walking in. If these people weren't worshiping me and adoring me, the very rocks would have to say, Jesus is here. For a lot of us, 
think we come into that place where even in the circumstances, even in um, maybe we're like, this is not right. This is not the way it should go. You're not going to worship me. Even the rocks will. What that says is God is God and I'm not. And my worship doesn't have the power to detract from the amazing awesomeness of the Lord. See, what happens to these people that are so fervently worshiping God on Sunday is their worship is conditional. Their worship is conditional. When they feel disappointed in God, they rebel against him. When they feel heartache against God, when he's not doing exactly what they want, they rebel against him. Their worship was conditional. And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes my worship is conditional. But it's choosing to worship in that pain. It's deciding, or do am I wearing sunglasses or glasses that change my vision? It is choosing to worship when you don't have the words. It's choosing to worship when you don't have the stomach for it. It's choosing to worship when you can't actually speak anything in a prayer and you just go, ah. I've told you before that I went through a period in my life I, couldn't, I literally could not pray. I just was so devastated. Um, by some circumstances that were going on in my own life. I, I could not pray. And my prayer was this, um, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's all I could say. Like that was how I started praying again. It was just, I was on a treadmill at Fitness 19. It was $19 a month for your membership. And, and that was, uh, that was my, my prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a lot more to that verse, but that's all I could pray. For a couple months. Probably sounded and looked a little weird in Fitness 19. But as we come to that, is my worship going to be conditional and based on who I am? Or am I going to continue in the pain, in the hurt, in the sorrow, in the heartache, in the confusion, in the frustration, just to come before God and say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Because then we keep everything aligned right. We're not cajoling. We're not making God do anything. We're not trying to convince him of something. We're not trying to, to uh, manage the situation. Because God, is God, God is a God who's not going to be managed. So when we worship God on Sunday morning, you're so good. Woohoo! Everything's awesome. I'm here with my family. This is awesome. And we lose our job on Monday. Do we still worship God the same? It might not sound the same, because, but remember, it's not just the three songs that we sing on Sunday morning. It's the whole sacrifice of who we are as a person. As Romans 12, 1 through 2 says. No, I worship God. It's not conditional. It's not dependent on how I feel. It's not dependent on how other people feel. I am a child of God. And I worship him through pain, through tears, through joy, through laughter, through giggles. I worship God. I worship God when 
people around me are ill and sick and I worship God when I get to throw my two-year-old up in the air. I worship God when I snuggle with my nine-year-old daughter and I worship God when I hold my mom's hand in pain. The default position is worship. I worship God when I go to the Grand Canyon and go, this is amazing. And I worship God when I drive through the slums of Tijuana and say, God, your heart must break as my heart is breaking. It's the default position of who we become as Christians, not based on circumstances. If this is the cycle you're in of, I'm dependent on, on circumstances. If this is the cycle you are in, you're not worshiping God. You're trying to bribe God with your attention. Now, this is the way the world works. <laughs> it's the way parenting works. It's the way your job works. It's the way the marriage works. It's where everything in life works. So I understand why we fall into the cycle. Well, if I bribe so-and-so with money or attention or gifts or whatever it is, I get what I want. That's how everything works, isn't it? It works that way in politics. It works that way. Like it just works that way in everything. It's not the way God works and humanity struggles to understand that. But, 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 but. If your prayers are dependent on whether or not you get what you want, there's a problem. If your tithing is dependent on whether or not you get what you want, there's a problem. If your church attendance is dependent on whether or not you get what you want, there's a problem. And I've lived all three of those excuses and I've seen all three of those excuses. But if that's the cycle we're in, we're trying to bribe God, not worship him. He deserves our worship because of who he is, period. Because he is God. Worship is choosing to adore God in pain, in loneliness, in frustration, and in victory. We worship him when we look at our personal, look past our personal agendas and preferences and say, you are God and I am not. You are the ruler of the universe and I am not. You are the author of life and I am not. You are the savior of my soul and I am not. Maybe that needs to be your prayer this week. Maybe that is your act of worship. To say, God, I need to submit myself to you in a whole new way. And in that, you can have freedom over the circumstances that are controlling your life. That's where you get back to and you find peace when your world feels like it's spinning out of control. That's where you find a sinner when it feels like, I can't find my equilibrium. Is when you come back and you humble yourself in such a way, you say, you are God and I am not. I'm going to rest in that. You as God, the father want to know about my bad day. You want to know about my pain and you may choose to intervene in an amazing way. That's the power of prayer. Sometimes it happens. It's amazing, but I'm okay. You're still God, whether or not you answer my prayer the way I want you to or not. Sometimes it requires bravery to worship. Sometimes worshiping God could be the most brave thing you do in a day. Sometimes it requires trust to worship. I have a thing with my daughter right now. 
Um, both my daughters hate, hate heights. It's really funny. Um, but which is really bad when you have a six, six grandpa. Uh, so, so you pick up, you pick up my daughter and she, she, oh, here under my shoulders. She's fine. As soon as she gets above my shoulders, this last night, I put her on my shoulders. She's like death grip. And I move her hand and it's on my hair and then move my hand. And it's like, oh, here. Baby, I'm going to get you down. You want to come down? Uh-huh. I'll get you down. You got to let go. Nope. <laughs> So I have a choice. I don't have that much hair left. I have a choice. Do I want to sacrifice the rest of it or pull her off? Well, you're just going to sit there on my shoulders until you trust enough to let go. And slowly she'll let go and I can pull her off. I think sometimes we're that same way. We're stuck in these situations until you trust me enough. There's no movement, babe. There's no movement until you trust me enough. We can't get past this moment. I got you. There's no way I'm letting you fall. Absolutely. I could get shot right now and you would not hit the ground. It's not happening. I've got you, but you've got to trust me. It may look like that's a long way down and I'm going to, whatever you made up in your mind. No one here has ever made up circumstances that are not actually going to happen, but they've made up and overplayed that in their head, right? There's way too many shaking of heads right now. Uh, so let's go, let's go back to the two-year-old. <laughs> We've got to trust God enough in worship to say that's when we raise our hands in worship, you may be going, why do people raise their hands? That's really weird. This is what we're doing. I'm taking my hands off your, your, your shoulders and letting you have control. Sometimes it requires trust to worship. And finally, sometimes it requires humility to worship. And actually it's not sometimes it always requires humility to worship. To say you are God and I'm not. At the end of all things, God is still God, whether we agree or not, whether we think he's God or not, whether we think he's good or not, he's still God. Nothing's going to change that. Whether we're mad at him or happy with him, he's still God. Authentic worship is worship that happens through our emotions, not because of our emotions. Authentic worship happens through our emotions, not because of our emotions. You understand that? We can worship God like we've never worshiped God before when we are in the most sad and hurt place in our lives. We can worship God like we've never worshiped him before when we are the happiest we've ever been. The key is we got to keep it in that order. We don't worship God because we are happy or because we are sad. We worship God through those emotions. Just like with my little girls or my son, whatever they're feeling, I don't care. I want to know about it. I want to get them through it. If they, the joys of life, I want to be there. The hurts of life, I want to be there. Our worship happens through our emotions, not because of them. When we follow Jesus in worship, we put our agendas down, our to-do list down, and we recognize that he is our savior and he is our Lord. Ben, come on up. I want to pray for you this morning as we reflect on this, because I got a feeling there's a lot to chew on this morning for you. Um, There's a lot for me to chew on (laughs) in this. And the questions when I get cranky, and the questions when you get cranky is, who's God in this situation? Am I cajoling him? Am I trying to make him do something, or am I submitting my life to him? Is he still God in my eyes or have I traded him in for a different model?
Let me pray for you this morning. God, we come before you in different stages of brokenness. Some of us are absolutely shattered this morning and some of us are doing pretty well. But through all of those different emotional stages, we seek to worship you this morning. God, that we would recognize that you are the creator of the universe and you are the savior of our soul. And that we trust in this moment that you are up to something bigger. We have no idea what it is and our brains would explode if we tried to comprehend it. But right now we humble ourselves to say you are God and we are not. You have authority and we don't. Abba, father, papa, daddy, there's some things we'd love for you to fix. But whether or not you fix them the way we want them to be fixed, you are still God. You're still our papa. You're still our daddy. And so right now, Lord, as a, as a congregation, we come before you. We humble ourselves. And we want to worship you. Even when it's difficult, we love you. Even when it's hard, we adore you. Even when it's good, we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.